Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Letting go. <laughs> letting go. <laughs> remember when you first started that? I do remember that. That's that's when Wayne used to sing. Like, shout go. out to Wayne. Shout out to Wayne, man. I yeah. sing it better than him, but it's cool. <laughs> shout out to Wayne. Letting go. Man, uh, <laughs> I brought you on the show today. So first of all, let me say shout out to Spotify. We here at Spotify recording. Beautiful um, They got us in this amazing studio. Whoa. And, you know, cool, cool, cool. we've come a long way. Come we've a come long a long way. way. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, man, I brought you on because you are one of those people that not only has been on this creative journey with me, but also this life journey. And, um, you know, we met in college through who was your your mentee at the time mm-hmm. and one of my close friends. Chemistry Club, little brother. Um, Jermichael Young. Shout out Jermichael Young. Shout out J. Mike. Um, Jermica. And you just kind of took us on as like your friend because of, because of him, I feel. Like I feel like you just befriended us because we were such good friends with him. Yeah. And we befriended you for the same, you know. And, and you were also in Houston when I was in Houston at U of H. Yeah, that Katrina thing was wild. Yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. like you guys, uh, you were cool kids. Man. I, I think I really was impressed by, you know, because y'all were one or two years younger than me. And I was really impressed by the sneaker the sneaker culture and how that, like, brought yeah. y'all together. Um, it was really impressed with you guys. And kind of, look, you know, it was nice to be, like, a big bro, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, riding y'all around places, jumping in my, in my <laughs> Honda Civic. Going to parties and stuff. It was a good time. Um, You let me throw one. Well, you didn't let me, but I threw one of my first parties at your house. Yeah, man. That was that was controversial, but it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. Shout out to my old roommate. It worked out. But yeah, man, you, you've always been somebody that's been supportive of me on my creative journey, just my journey of life. And uh, I appreciate that so much. Do you mind introducing yourself to the people? Sure. Hell, what's good, everybody? My name is Byron Young, uh, a.k.a. Dr. Byron Young. Um, uh, I'm a brother from New Orleans, Sheila's son, uh, Lillian's grandbaby, uh, Tyrone's little brother, uh, Taylor's uncle, uh, a whole bunch of people's cousins. Um, I'm a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. I'm an um, emotional wellness program developer and consultant, uh, lover of hip-hop, lover of art, lover of jazz, lover of culture, and lover of black people. Uh, and just honored to be here, man. A shout out to Xavier University where we met, yep. uh, one of the places that... Uh, where I fell in love with black people more and more, the nuance, the dynamism, you know, uh, learned we were not a monolith. Um, and so, yeah, man, honored to be here. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot, so I got st- whatever you want to talk about. Man, you, you gave a uh, <laughs> you gave a hell of an introduction. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm very, I feel like, you know, it's a village, man. I, I feel like so humbled by the people who have who have brought me up you know it's funny so growing up as like a nerd so i'm from new orleans from the west bank from marrero grew up in a pretty hood uh neighborhood called walker town and growing up as a nerd in that community a lot of times if you're like a nerd in the hood you might get teased or you might have like stay in the house but because my family made such a big part of my community right it was my like my sister and my cousins they like i got to ride their street cred so you know i'm tiny little brother i'm michael's cousin i'm june's cousin so like i got to ride their street cred so i got to be out in the streets and be myself so that's yeah. like a unique opportunity. Either sometimes you got to kind of like, you know, either kind of become something maybe you're not so you can fit in or you stay your ass in the house. And so for me, it was a blessing to get to be my weird, quirky self and and be accepted and get to ride the street cred of my family and be, you know, like um, I think part of me being such a different kind of cat 
is what allowed me to connect with my community in a special way because folks maybe were able to feel a little more comfortable telling me stuff that they might not tell other people or expressing stuff or, or maybe even being a little bit more of themselves around me than maybe around other folks because I was already a kind of a quirky dude. And so just really thankful, man. I'm just really thankful for for where I've gotten to go and the experiences I've gotten to have. And like, you know, growing up in the hood, but getting to go to private school, you know, my mom sacrificed so I could go to private school. And so getting the best of both worlds and learning how to navigate and be myself in all environments has been dope. You know, whether I'm around wealthy white folks or around, you know, under-resourced people of color, getting to bring who I am to those spaces and representing my blackness no yeah. matter what space I go and knowing that that's worthy. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I never had imposter syndrome because like... I was dominating academically early with these, you know, with the wealthiest of the wealthy, the whitest of the white, and bringing my full black ass, to, you know, to these spaces. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm very blessed. And, you know, everybody ain't able, so I just feel real fortunate how it went down, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I shout out my mom and my grandma. I feel like I'm still writing my grandma's prayers, you know what I'm saying? Lillian's yeah. prayer still got, got me going, you know what I'm saying? Sheila's prayer still got me going. I'm just extra thankful, man, very appreciative. And, you know, seeing your journey, um, you know what I'm saying, like – this this whole vibe, this whole thing, the journey from, you know, doing this in your apartment to now doing it in a Spotify studio space is all. I just feel overwhelmed about the appreciation. Appreciation seems to be the theme. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, it's a blessing, man. Blessing to have you in my life and, and blessing to be here, man. Man, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, man, because I was just about to ask you how you were doing, but you just you just gave it all right there, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, got me a little emotional, Mike. If I'm being honest, <laughs> got me a little, t- little, little thug. I shared one thug's tear out here. I ain't gonna share no more than that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. Like this, this is really dope. Um, and you know, just hearing you, because I'm gonna just keep it real with you. Like when I wanted to bring you on the podcast, we've been kind of trying to line up. Mm-hmm. Just you coming on the podcast in general, because this will be your third time. Yeah. But I really wanted to talk to you about just overcoming grief, man. And mm-hmm. we're going to get into everything else, but I really wanted to talk to you about that because, man, you have come so far in your life. And, you know, how old were you when you lost your mother? I was 19. 19. How old were you when you lost your grandmother? Damn, I remember uh, maybe like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, I see a lot of people struggle with it, even my own mother, mm-hmm. you know. And I've never – I mean, my grandmother, obviously, you know, that's probably the closest person to me that I've ever lost. But, like, you know, I'm always curious about just how are you able to just, like, thrive and move forward in your life and, like – how does it affect you? And I know I'm throwing a whole lot at one time, but, like, how does it affect you when, like, you do accomplish shit? Like, you've gotten so far in your life and, you know. Yeah. Does that man. make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think So you talk about the loss of my grandma. So my grandma was, like, literally, and I'm not kidding, no exaggeration, no hyperbole, the sweetest woman I've ever met. Like, like. No, so my neighborhood, we had a lot of folks who had substance abuse issues. We we called them cluckers. Um, yeah. You know, crackheads. <laughs> but uh, my grandma treated them folks as delightfully and royally as she treated anybody else, even though that didn't seem to be what everybody else did. And I watched that, man. I watched how humanizing my grandma was around how she treated people. And uh, yeah, I really am getting emotional. Uh, 
and man, she just inspired me so much with how sweet she was, man. Her, it was never conditional. It was like she was the first representation of unconditional love. You know what I'm saying? And I feel, I almost feel, look, you know, I feel, I said, I'm getting a little emotional. I feel a little real tear because part of it is like I feel so extra blessed to have a one. Because man, you know, black folks, particularly old black folks, been through so much. Coming, she came out yeah. of Mississippi. Ain't no telling what this woman has seen and felt and experienced, and you know the the loss. But she was sweet enough to make sure that everyone around her felt loved and lifted and humanized. And that really inspired me, man. It really did. And um, so losing her was a thing. I feel like I, in some ways I was like, oh, my grandma was like really old. She was, old. She was in her 80s or whatever. So it, it wasn't as much of a sting to lose my grandma as to lose my mom. But, I, I, man, it was a sting in that, like, the, the, there was a vacuum in this, 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 the human, this, this person who brought so much reflection of the humanity of everybody my grandma didn't care if you worked at the at the mcdonald's or yeah. you know if you was a doctor she don't care she, her love was unconditional you know all she was worried about was come put this activator she had a jerry curl lady. Yeah. all she cared about was come put this activator in, in my hair and you know that's all i need and so man i'm just so so that was that loss w- was a thing but my mom man my mom was like my best friend bro and that yeah. one hit me man that that uh that took a lot out of me, and I don't even. It's funny. I still. I think you know. I, I'm. You know, when my mom passed away, I was like Xavier, and everybody's like, "Man, you like look so good. How you doing? You like came back to school, killing still, academically strong or whatever." And I was still, you know, functioning. And and in part that was because my who my mom was. But man, I still don't know if I feel all the way right. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I'm saying after losing this woman who was, my, you know, she was mom, she was dad, she was. Uh, chef, dance instructor, philosopher, teacher, right? Artist, art instructor. Uh, you know, I was teasing about how she used to. Um, I would make a project for like a science class, and then she'd be like, "Ooh, baby, that's okay, but let's let's do a little something to it." And she would make that joint even better. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. parents be cheating on their uh, making their kids projects and stuff. <laughs> um, and she, yeah, she just man was so phenomenal, so dynamic, and man, like I, I saw. Much like her own mom, like because my, you know, my grandma, my mom, this notion of seeing the humanity in people, she was the first person I ever saw who went out of her way to go take care of folks. So like, my whole family depended on my mom for lots of stuff, particularly around like academic stuff, but also like financial stuff. But like, she was the person who like, if a homeless person asked for something, she'll go get them food and bring it back to them. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. just the kind of stuff that like made such a mark on my life and, and in some ways kind of pushed me to do some of the dope kind of community focused work I get to do. So yeah, man, but you talk about the lost man, that shit hit. Um, can I curse? Am I? Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nigga, the start of letting go. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, that hit, it hit. I, I tell you, this is the first time I ever, I felt like my mom was so good at doing what she did. She was so good at protecting me and my sister that I felt like I never felt really any type of real sadness until she passed away. Wow. I was like, man, was this notion of like feeling sadness to the point of like my, I like my appetite's different and like I'm not as interested. I've never felt that feeling other than that, that experience when she passed. And it's funny because I didn't consciously feel sad, but I like wasn't eating. I wasn't uh, sleeping right. I wasn't interested in doing this. I remember my boys took me to go play basketball, and I love basketball. Mike know I'd be blazing up out here on the course. <laughs> but I just, I remember, oh, like, some ain't right, bro, because when I was on that basketball, we went to go play at UNO at this dope, at, dope kind of uh, their community center, and I just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, ooh, something is definitely wrong. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's just like a big, a big space was missing. But it was really her her knowledge around so I'll tell you what happened. My cousin, one of my younger cousins, my cousin Josiah, a brilliant, beautiful young man, 
passed away from cancer. Damn, and my family to took that heart. I got a big old, big old extended family. Shout out to my family. And it, everybody, everybody was like, whoa, it was so sad. And I remember we went to the funeral and my mom was like, yes, this is definitely, definitely sad. And at the end of the day, like our mission is to live this life as best we can and then go be with, with in the kingdom, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. And to know that she felt that way about death and kind of wasn't scared of death in that way definitely helped make it easier. And I felt like in terms of dealing with grief, I made it my mission. All that love my mama gave me, all that love I got to see her experience and, and, and got to see her give out to everybody, my family, friends, loved ones, and the people around her, I'm going to pick up that torch. So that's going to be my mission. I'm going to take that love, and my job now is to to pick up the torch so that way she never really dies, right, on some NERD shit. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, when my grandmother passed, like, that shit was hard. And it always stands out to me, like, you telling me, like, the way to to like carry on her legacy was just to like do the good shit that she would do like 100%. embody her and man that shit really helped 100%. and something else you told me was just uh to keep creating new memories facts and not to say that not to say that I don't think about my grandma I ain't gonna lie like in the last week or two just with all the shit that's been going on she be saw my mind cause like you know she never really understood what the fuck I was doing mm-hmm. with this creative shit but she always would just encourage me. Like, she didn't understand, but she just knew that it was something I believed in, and she believed in it too. And she would always tell me, oh, you're making it big in the world. And for me to feel it on myself now, like, she used to tell me that shit, but to really feel it now and to not really have her there to say that, like, it, it hit a little different, man. Yeah, man, I could imagine, man. But, yeah, you, like... You know, you thinking you you riding on the wings of your ancestors in general, man. But I know your grandma was like the matriarch of your family, so yeah. that's all, that hit different. You know what I'm saying? Hit different. But you think about what would your grandma say in these situations? What would she? You know, how, what would her attitude be about these things? You could you could carry that on forever. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Uh, you of had course. such an intimate connection with her that that don't die. That don't die at all. You know what I'm saying? And so she's still with you in that regard. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, I know you, how you how important your grandma was to you, man. It uh. It's you know so I'm from New Orleans and, and I know your your grandma's from New Orleans so just hearing how New Orleans she was, oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, really really uh, brought it to life for me man so I, you know yeah definitely man we riding on the wing we you know we we out here carrying the torch man yeah I really do believe yeah that. man I yeah really do believe that and in that way yeah man no one ever really dies if 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 you got loved ones to to carry the love on. Um, and, and not just the love, the lessons, the what to do, the what not to do, you know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff matters. The examples, the modeling, the, um, you know, and I think about, you know, what I get from my grandma was definitely something special, but I think about even my family members or friends who maybe made a lot of mistakes. I get, in some ways they love me enough to share those mistakes with me and like guide me not to do them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think about growing up in Walkertown, you know, as many a nights where I had cousins or, or, or family friends who would be like, yo, B, you should get off the block tonight. It's hot, it's hot tonight, so get off the block tonight. And, you know, they didn't have to look out for me like that. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, man, it's it's community, man. It's definitely community. And and I, it's clear that your grandma was was the top, was at the top of that chain for you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, it, grief grief is just a part of the circle of life. And uh, I think the healthiest, the healthiest way, in the way that's like, you know what I'm saying, like, it, you know, I believe in, in, in God for sure, and I believe in the divine movement of things, and 
I am thankful just to exist in a sense. Man. And so to have just shit, to just have gotten even a morsel of love in this life. Everybody ain't able. Everybody ain't get that. Everybody no don't shit. get that now. So to let alone to have a grandma like you had, let alone to have a grandma like I had, like, that's a blessing. I'm appreciative AF, you know what I'm saying? So like, man, people out here, it'd be hard out here. Yeah, you know of saying? course, so of course, of course. I, can, I I think in some ways I like, so my mom I died when I, when I was 19, but damn, that was 19 of the best years ever. Like shit, like I, it's people ain't, ain't had a lick of love from their mamas, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, in some ways, I'm just really back to the theme of appreciation, man. Yeah, like, that's how that's how you you ride through grief for me, and and I imagine that grief is complex for those people who don't have that. You know, who maybe their parents passed and they had a harder relationship. You know, I, I can't. I you know, it's harder to say what to, what you pick up to 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 like move on from that kind of thing. But in these contexts, right, when your grandma was dope as hell, when my grandma was dope as hell, my mom was amazing. You know, I feel I'm just thankful. You know, what I'm saying at the end of the day, it, it hurts and pain is okay, and I could feel that, but I'm thankful, bro. Yeah. I'm thankful. Man, what advice would you give to anybody just in that healing phase of grief? I mean, you know, we all are in it to some extent, but what advice would you give? And so many things we're grieving, Mike. So many things. So much loss. Mm -hmm. This life is full of so much loss. Mm -hmm. It's not just loss of loved ones, loss of relationships. Of course. Loss of of dreams hoped for. You feel what I'm saying? So much loss. I think that the way you you move forward is is just really coming back to, like I said, the unconditional love that my grandma had for me. That's my goal. That's my prayer. That's my therapy work. I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to get to the point of loving myself so much that even my my darkest parts and my lightest parts, I love them all equally because they mine. Man. You feel what I'm saying? Man, man, like my man. grandma, like I said earlier, she if you worked at the McDonald's or you at the car wash or you was a doctor or you was a lawyer, she ain't the same love you got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to love myself like that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's it's funny you say that because I do feel like I give that out. And I'm learning how to give it to myself. So, it's hard. It's hard. It takes it work. It, it takes work. It does. It takes work because this society don't don't tell. This society don't give a fuck about how you love yourself. It's like come and and be a be commodified and get caught up in all this like you know what you're wearing, what you wear, what, what kind of car you're driving, how many you know what, what's your status, what your whatever, what's your you know how many likes you got in the thing. And it's all to commodify you. It's all to to, to push course. capitalism forward. And so this society isn't set up for you to love yourself. It's not about real loving yourself. But going back to something you mentioned earlier, your community. Facts. The people you keep around you. I will say I'm blessed to have the family that I was given, the friends that I found. Because, man, on them days when I'm not feeling like shit, those be the people that bring me back up. They don't tear me down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it really does feel like luck of the draw. I really do feel sometimes a little guilty for having such a dope. I call my my people my circle of love, of which you are, are an intimate part of that. Um, I sometimes feel a little guilty because my my people dope as hell. I'm like, yeah. same, same. They man. dope. You know what I'm saying? You see, you see, you see my people. My you've been <laughs> I, my my family, my friends are so amazing, and I feel so. So blessed, so thankful, but a little guilty because, like, everybody ain't got it like that. And I don't know what it is. And people, you know, always say, oh, it's something about me that draws those people. I don't know if that's true. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, maybe. But I, I just feel like, yeah, it's it's too good to be true that this many marvelous people Bruh. who bring their best. They bring that. I feel like people come to me and, and, and bring their best version of themselves in my space. And I don't know what that's about, but I love it so much. I, I feel so absolutely much. the same. I, I feel the same. But also, you know, I recognize how connected I am to that. So I have to bring my best self when I'm and I'm in these spaces with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And whatever that looks like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not for me to judge it. Because I, I recognize in the past I've I've felt what was my quote-unquote best, mm-hmm. had to look a certain way or be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, just being fucking present Facts. is enough. Facts. You know? It's a gift. It's funny. I think in some ways I'm thinking, because as you talk about you having those people, I know for a fact I've seen it in action, what you bring to a space and why you pull out the best of people, right? I know your sincerity is just so tangible and that makes people want to show up for you that makes people want to bring like a um, a particular part of their best selves and so maybe maybe people are right maybe it is something I do that does it because I know that's how it works for you yeah. I know you come into a space in your sincerity and you're like like for lack of a better better term you give a fuck more than anybody I know you know what I'm saying that's a that's a that's a special thing because everybody doesn't feel connected like that and I don't know what it is why it is that you have that gift but it is it it is so clear to me that when I'm talking to Mike Brown, I have his undivided attention. And he really does give a fuck about me. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate you for that. I really do. Cause everybody ain't able. And and it's not like a malicious thing. Cause again, we said earlier, life is hard. And people got a lot going on. And uh your ability your ability to to be to go through all the stuff you've been through and still come up and be present and show up and give a fuck about people and show it so clearly, so tangibly is a gift. And so that is, that is a reminder of like, there is something about you that, that brings people into your world like that. Cause no, 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 no doubt about it. Mike Brown, if he don't do nothing else, he give a fuck. And I appreciate you for that. I appreciate that, man. Lord, I got burned in there, right? Bruh, Byron, I love you and I appreciate you so much. Um, I did have some listener questions, but I also had a question for you. Like, bro, like why, why do you just man, like the way you pour into people, bro, like I swear I, you believe in me more than I believed in myself. And like I'm so appreciative to have people like you in my life. You know what I'm saying? Cuz I've been moving scared my entire life and I feel like every step of my way you've always pushed me just like, "Oh, you want to do music?" <laughs> Here. "Oh, you doing a podcast?" Are you doing a book? You know what I mean? But like I don't know what what is it about me? You know what I mean? Man, I think I think it is very clear that you are super gifted and multidimensionally gifted. Like I call, you know, you're a polymath, man. You're a renaissance man for real. Like I uh you know, I think about that project we did together where we um we did the music project and uh you so basically I had this idea. I was doing so basically I'm I'm a psychiatrist, right? And I do a lot of community psychiatry and I wanted to create a, um, some cool stuff to go into schools and talk to kids about coping skills. Like, how do you, you know, dealing with stress and that kind of thing. And I wanted to deliver mindfulness, but I didn't want it to be corny. So I was like, man, Mike, make beats. Let me hit up Mike and uh, see if he can make me some, like, soulful hip-hop beats that, like, are still relaxing and cathartic. And Mike was like, say no more. So Mike <laughs> gave me eight, nine tracks, and we put this thing together and I remember being super impressed because not only was the music amazing, and not only did you do the whole thing yourself, basically, I just funded it, but you did it all yourself. I just gave an idea 
But when I sent you this picture, I was you know I used I lived in New York and would always go take pictures of art spaces. I sent Mike this picture, this pure magic art piece. When I tell you what Mike did to that cover, <laughs> I was like, this is like, how did you get this out of a, a photograph? Like I was like, and so that's where I realized you are really multi talented. Like you're you're you are a creative's creative because you can literally take any type of art form and do something visual. Um, podcasting, music, not only producing, but also singing, but also rapping, but all, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, you are a true creative and that's <laughs> sick. That's like almost unfair. Um, so it's easy to believe in you, Mike, cause I see your, your talent, man. I appreciate it's that. Easy. And, and can I, can I give you some real truth? I didn't like pure magic when we first did it. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to it for a long time. <laughs> I didn't even know. I that. probably haven't listened to it maybe to like the last three years, four years. Wow. I didn't really share it with too many people because in my head, the music wasn't mixed. It wasn't uh, this. It wasn't that. Because I didn't even mix none of that music. Okay. But the feedback that you got, I was getting when I, I played it in classrooms and seen kids like Facts. really relaxed to it. Facts. But still in my head, it wasn't it wasn't good enough. And uh, man, if I could give any advice to any creatives right now that listen is to, like you said, just not give a fuck. Give a fuck about the right things, not the other shit. Because, yeah. man, like, I I really was negative self-talking the fuck out of myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like I said, it was people like you. It was people like James. People like Alex. Like, Alex and James fucking managed. James was my manager at one point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not knowing what the fuck we doing. And, you know, all of that brought me here. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question, Mike. What? Yeah. Because right, we talk about self love. We talk about your growth. How did you do? Because you talk about the people who have inspired you. But yeah. What was it that you had to unlock in yourself to get here to to continue to move this direction? And I know it's still work you're doing, man. But, but to like like that real like. So I I'll give you a couple of the ones that I remember the clearest. So when I first came out, that really was like, oh shit, yeah, you know, and. That was kind of that stepping into not giving a fuck. Yeah. But I will say what really got me on the self-love was uh-huh. like, man, when I broke up with my last ex, mm-hmm. um, I felt low. Yeah. I felt low as fuck. And the thing that people told me the most Cause you know that shit was like just it was a lot of shit going on with that shit. Right. But people told me be kind to yourself. Ooh, I like that. And I didn't know what the fuck that meant. <laughs> that didn't make it didn't make sense to me at the time. Cause I was just like, what the fuck does that mean to be kind to yourself? Right. And the thing that stood clearest to me was my negative self talk, because people kept just giving me all this like how they saw me, how they felt about mm-hmm. me, and it was just like man. All these people shooting this this positive shit at you, and you shooting all the negative shit in you. It's yeah. like maybe, and I, and I told myself maybe I don't know myself. Wow. Maybe I don't know myself. Wow. Because all I see is the negative shit, and all these people are just telling me these <laughs> positive things. So I said, well, I'm gonna take a break from these, and I'm gonna focus on these. Like it. I like it. And the more I started like really embracing, like when people tell me positive shit now, I'm like, I can see that. Mm. I see that in myself. And I have to receive that, even when it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, thank you, I received that. 
And the more I kept receiving it, is the more it's like, okay, it's natural now. So people did really play it because I, I think sometimes people think it's like just I just have to do it myself or whatever. Nah, but people man. played a big role in your ability to be intentional for Real yourself shit. about seeing the beautiful parts of yourself. Bro, if, that's so, that's why yeah. I'm so selective about the people I keep around me. Yeah, because the people that be around me really made me who I am. That's really impressive. And that's real shit. And that's the ones that as organically as my family came into my life, you know, and, and I think everybody has came in organically, but like everybody that has been in my life has really like played a part in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And granted, yes, there are people that, you know, that seep through that crack, but that's, that's my lessons. Facts. But the motherfuckers that's here, uh-huh. whether we talk every day or, or once a decade. Been around and still around. Still around. Yeah. And it feels natural. And they've all poured into me. And, you know, like I said, even during those times when I felt low, there were still people that would tell me things. And I'm going to be honest. That's why I've always, like, ran away from connecting with people because people would see this super positive version of me. And I didn't see that. And it's like, ugh, that scared me. But yeah. now I get it. Yeah. I understand it. Did you ever feel like an imposter? I've always felt like an imposter. Yeah, it sounds like it. I've always felt yeah. like an imposter because I, I just, like I said, I ain't know I had the juice. Yeah, I ain't know I had the juice. <laughs> nah, I know I'm Bruce Leroy out here. That's, <laughs> and I'm sure it's still a struggle. I'm sure it's still it a, like is. a, you it know, is. it's not. It is. Yeah. I'm talking that shit, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it still makes me. It's funny you talk about coming out. It's funny you know knowing you. Then I always tell the story about how when you came out, how I was like, I didn't believe you because you're so masculine. And I and I remember saying the stupidest thing I've ever said. I was like, Mike, we played basketball yesterday. <laughs> you ain't gay, you know. Uh, but that was just just dope. But it was clear that there was a burden that was relieved, like a, a, a huge burden had been lifted off your back when you came out. And I remember you used to be kind of angry back at Xavier and getting in yeah. fights and tussling and stuff. And I remember how 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 much joy you were able to express after that burden got relieved and the notion that you could come and be who you are. Yeah. And I feel like you it's cool because, you know, living in L.A. and getting to see you so often now, I feel like you're still coming into who you are. And, and the joy is more and more present like Mm -hmm. the more you get to kind of be who you are and kind of get to you know explore different sides of what you think and what you like and kind of ways of being it's the joy is more and more present so it's cool to see you on this journey of 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 just tapping into who you are and not so worried about having to be a particular thing that's just being i'm gonna tell you man today is the yes just being like today is by far the happiest i've been in a really long time like it i just feel different today and you know, it's funny. I remember I told you I was gonna quit my job, mm-hmm. and you was like, "Man, every time you quit your job, you always get a little further." Yeah. And I told my job I'm quitting, <laughs> and I told myself we not going back to nobody else's job. And it's like, okay, I see what's happening. You know, looks like it's going pretty good. It's start. going pretty fucking good. It's a strong start, Mike. It's going pretty good. Um, I had a listener question for you. For sure. I may have had two. Let me see. But I know I got I got one listener question for you for sure. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking my question. I was just curious for your thoughts on, you know, any tips you have regarding the best way to fight with your partner. Um obviously people don't get along all the time, but uh, through those moments of adversity, I'm wondering what you guys have leaned into as uh, tools for making more effective 
you know, communication come from, from those moments of disagreement. Thanks. The good brother Dante. What a, what a, what a, what a, what a smooth one. Yes. Um, you want me to go first or you go first? Um, so you can answer first. So, you know, I'm new to this relationship game. I've been running for relationships for a long, long time, uh, but finally have, have, have settled into a really beautiful situation and even, uh, you know, broke up and, and recently got back together and came back together and we did, did our self work, right? We did our self work and, and came back together more beautifully than ever, which has been really nice. Um, but I think in terms of when you, I, I think, I think a couple things, one, you really do. If you love somebody, it's only so far you're going to go in a fight, right? It's only so, cause sometimes people, I think people are always like, Oh, what's the work we need to do? I need to, I think a lot of people are thinking I need to fix this person. I need to help this person change. I need to whatever, but you got to go to you. What's, what's the role you play in it? What can you do? How can you heal? How can you do your own self work? And I think when you're, when you're getting into an argument, always being rooted in like, I love this person. I want to send good energy, good vibes. We disagree, but it doesn't have to become malicious. And I think anytime it becomes a situation where I'm trying to be hurtful or I'm trying to like win, I like, got to remind myself like, whoa, that ego shit is going to get, is going to, you know, it could burn this whole thing down. Mm -hmm. And so really I think it's checking your ego and knowing that like, Hey, like disagree, agree to disagree. Let's work on it some other way. Maybe we need to take a break, need to take a pause. But I think the key thing is working on the ego and be like, oh, because I think oftentimes when you need to win or when you need to like, you know, burn, you know, like a, a customer, you know, like the, the last word and the, whatever that gets, that gets, that causes trouble. And you're like not connecting with this person as a loved one. Is it? You're like, if you remember the humanity of this person that you care about so deeply, I think you can check your ego and then you could operate from like a more peaceful place. Yeah. That's my theory. But, again, I'm brand new. I don't know shit. I don't know. I mean, I've you know, I've been in a couple of relationships. For sure. In a relationship or two or three. <laughs> but uh, I think, for me, what I've always tried, I've always tried to, like, talk about it and really just express my true feeling. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes me expressing my true feeling out loud can lead to me looking at myself and saying, mm-hmm. well, damn, I might be wrong. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, th- I think communication is always the best way and like authentic communication like loving communication like you said not with fucking like i'm trying to prove a point i'm mm-hmm. not because i'll be honest for me i'm never trying to prove a point with my partner at least in my head i'm not trying to prove yeah. a point. <laughs> yeah. but you know i'm i'm always able to reel it in like especially when this person expresses their feelings back like when they express well hey this made me feel this oh this made me feel this and then when i get to hear how you feel it makes me look at me yeah, you know, I think some people you said the notion of the ability to like you could look and see that you're wrong. That's part of the work. I'm saying some people our egos get so big that we would never admit that we are. Even if we are wrong, we wouldn't admit it. Uh, yeah, I love my sister dearly, but when we have an argument, even if she knows she's wrong, she's not gonna tell you. But she will come back later and be like, "I took your advice and did this thing." But she never gonna say I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just think about arguments with, 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 with different loved ones. But I think is what to your point. It sounds like you've been able to kind of control the ego and be able to be self reflective. And I think sometimes we get so tender, we get so insecure that we can't possibly bear the thought of being wrong or letting the other person kind of like have the, the the win and so i think that's part of it is like it, it can it, it really is a, a the notion of checking your ego and and really remembering like yo you love this person you connect with this person like it's not about winning or losing it's about like you know continuing to build and like grow and make synergy you know what i'm saying but it sounds like you have the ego stuff pretty well balanced if you could say as, as much as i can yeah you know as much as i can human yeah 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 that was a good question um, I wonder what Dante would say. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't give his name, so you didn't have to give his name. Oh, I'm so sorry. But, no, I'm just okay. playing. I'm uh, just playing. Yeah. Uh, what advice? I got like two questions for you, and I got one from Crenshaw also. But uh, what advice would you give to anyone listening to this podcast? Like, maybe that would probably be your younger self. Like, what advice would you give? I, it's funny because my advice is a lot like the advice that you said was so potent for you, this notion of being kind to yourself. I mm. like that a lot. And I think I would go back and tell myself, like, it's not that serious. I think that's what you – you see how them old people don't give a damn about nothing. Old people just be like, <laughs> they don't care about nothing. And I think the, the I think wisdom is this this realization that ain't nothing that serious. Yeah. And you're going to be all right. You're going to do the best you can with the best you got. Yeah. Relax. And so I think I would go back to my old self and be like, bro, it's not that serious. Just go ahead and live your life and do your thing. And, like, stop worrying so much about, like, things having to work out in a particular way and just live and just be. If I could, like, go teach myself mindfulness at a younger age. And I think I, in some ways I was very um, – I had some good – I had some good stuff even young. You know what I'm saying? The ability to be appreciative was something that was really special and played yeah. out really well. But the ability to be – my I was always living in the future. I was always, like – you know, I remember if a field trip would be coming out, I'd be like, oh, I got to go to sleep so I could be closer to the field trip. Like, I, like I just couldn't bear yeah. waiting for yeah. the thing that had to come and being present. And so, yeah, I would tell myself, like, bro, it's not that serious. Relax. Enjoy every little moment. Take all these time. Because so many moments wasted. So much I could have been reading something interesting or could have, you know, been learning or having a conversation, calling a relative or something. But I'm there, like, trying to go to sleep so I can, like, because I can't bear being awake and waiting for this exciting thing that's going to come. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. living from field trip to field trip, you know, like, relax, man. All this, this space in the middle is dope. So I think I would have told my younger self that. Uh, what would you have told your younger self? Uh, yeah, it probably would be like be kinder to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, also just like not be afraid to put yourself out there, like embrace who you are, all of it. Let me ask you a question: How do you think your life would have been different if you would have been more comfortable with your sexuality earlier? Or, like, come out earlier. I know, because in some ways, that shit's safety. It, it wouldn't have been safe for some, for some I, people. I feel How like... How do you think it would have been different? Uh, I mean, if I, were, if I were judging on what the times were like at that time... Just the whole thing? Yeah, you like, know, you know, would I, it have been safe? Would it have been good for you? I don't... Have I, don't been... I think it would have been safe probably in my family. I think my my family probably would have felt more fear mm. than anything, just because, you know, at that time, it was... And, it, like, because they really didn't care about... You know, the gayness was more like just what could happen to you. you yeah. Know? But I don't know. I, I think with my family, it probably wouldn't have been different. Um, with my friends at that time, I'm sure it would have been different because mm. it would have been different for me. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. So, like, yeah, it would have been different. But I think, you know, had I had I came out earlier in the times like they are today, it probably you probably just would have got this version of Mike Brown a lot yeah, earlier. Yeah, just earlier. Like, yeah. you would have been able to grow in particular ways earlier. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I'm... I have no regrets about where I'm at today because yeah. I feel like if I wasn't here today, I wouldn't be able to give what I have to give, you know, yeah. so I needed all that experience. It was lessons and all that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Plus, you learn how to fight real good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't tell nobody that people are gonna be challenging me to fight hey. when the podcast going on tour. I can't fight no more. I always say I tell Christians all the time. I say, <laughs> hey, if uh, if I ever get in a fight, the one friend I know I need is my boy Pat and my boy Mike. That's the two people I got. <laughs> That's the two people I got to have because I know they're gonna have my back if I ever get in a tussle. Oh shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and you about the skinniest of my friends, but I know you know the man. He got reach too. He got reach, reach long. <laughs> I feel like the person with the most experience. I, you know. 
That's too funny. <laughs> Man, I got a message Crenshaw sent this. And then... What up, Crenshaw? Let me see. I might have time for the meditation. If not, I could just add the meditation at the end when I do the editing. I'm here for but, it. But uh, this is Crenshaw's message. Comedian at large. Crenshaw kind of funny on the gram. The art of letting go of these nuts. <laughs> That's the message you gotta be shaking. That's hilarious. Oh man, Let's see how long this meditation is. Oh, we got a, we got a, so we got a minute. So we'll do this meditation real quick, and then I'll close this out for sure. All right. So this meditation is brought to us by James Woods, aka that yoga dude. It's James Woods, aka that yoga dude. Well, feel free to feel free. Take a minute just a minute to embrace love, cherish and trust your creativity it's doing what it's supposed to be doing breathing into your creativity brings you deeper into who you truly are let's take three deep breaths through the nose we inhale and a long slow exhale Relaxing your shoulders as you breathe in. Softening your face, your jaw, your arms, your legs. Deep breath in. Exhale, allowing the mind and the body to relax for the creativity to flow. You got it. And as always, feel free to feel free. And namaste. Peace. Feel free to feel free. Told him I'm going to need those every week. Facts. Um, That's a beautiful addition. Man, Byron, can you tell the people where they can find you? Oh, for sure. Um, so you can find me uh, on, on the gram. My personal gram is Prodigy5002. It be popping. I'll be out here. I'll be out here, <laughs> especially on the RC uh, in, in the world. Um, and my, my professional gram is We Doing It Well, at We Doing It Well. Uh, I got a website, doingitwell.org. Um, and, yeah, just um, if a place to come for, like, particularly people of color to come for um, a word on mental health, different different tools, and connecting you with different resources to find a therapist or find a therapist of color. Um, also, meditations from both Mike Brown and James have, have projects that they've done with me on there. I got a TED Talk talking about the beauty of black people um, and how um, the medical community needs to um, atone in, in in some sense and in, in, in really uh, it, people always talk about equity and equity is a thing that people talk about but don't it's very performative and so you know we have been um, we ain't been treated right in, in any of these systems but particularly in systems that are supposed to heal like that's a problem and so really talking to folks about recognize the humanity of, of, of people of color particularly BIPOC people um, and so my TED Talk kind of talks about that. And just like, yeah, different creative ways of, of of coming and engaging with people around mental health. Do a lot of work at the intersection of mental health, art, and social justice. So, yeah, man, you can catch me there on my website. And, uh, yeah, feel free to hit me up. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, got a lot of cool cool projects I get to work on. And thank you for being such a big part of a lot of them. Man, thank you for bringing me on all of them. <laughs> man, Byron. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Like, bro, I really appreciate this. Like, I appreciate our relationship. 
I appreciate just having you on this journey with me, man. For real. For sure. Um, thank y'all for listening. Thank you, Spotify, for having us. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Be kind to yourself. Tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe and also leave a comment. Let other people know what you think. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear from y'all. We have a phone line. You can DM me. Ask me a question. We have a new segment called Ask Me a Question. So you can ask me a question. (laughs) Man, also shout out to Spotify for letting us record at the Frequency Free Studio. Um, if you guys would like to purchase Art of Letting Go merch, get my book in a panorama. Also, yeah, if you want to support the show in any kind of way, you can go to justmikebrown.com, pick up merch and all that cool stuff. Thank y'all for tuning in. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. <laughs>